Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. So today we're starting a new series called Rebuild and Restore. You know, if you look at our, our nation today, this is holiday weekend, 4th of July weekend, so I want to talk about our nation for just a moment, even though my message won't be strategically about our nation. I think you can draw some parallels about our nation and our lives personally. Um, if, you, if you pay much attention to what you know, news outlets say, what social media says, just what people say, it seems like we are becoming a more and more and more divided nation. Would you say that seems to be that way? And it seems like every issue becomes a bigger deal than the last issue. Even if it's not a bigger deal, it seems like a big, bigger deal. It is celebrated or it is attacked more and more. It seems like we have a greater political divide. There are family division. There are people that are trying to do elevate divisions of every type, whether it's financial or ethnicity, no matter what area of life it is. There's people that are trying to elevate division a lot. And I understand why that goes on because how many know that division sells more than unity does? Right? You share something good, you might get two clicks. You share something bad, man, you're going to get a thousand clicks. And clicks equals money in people's world of, of media today. So understand, to, to paint a worse picture, it, it, sell, it makes more money. But there really is a need of rebuilding and restoration that needs to happen in our world today. And I just want to tell you, you can say you heard it here first, you've never heard it before, but the Republican Party and the Democrat Party does not have the answer or the solution to what's going to heal our nation today. People, if people could fix our problems, our problems would already be fixed. But we don't have a people problem. We have a problem that we need God to come into our world and make a difference today. We need God leading people to be that difference today. And we're looking at the person of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah's life, we're going to discover, has an alternate point. It goes from one point to a point of purpose where he, his life is shaped and he begins to reshape those around him. And the reason that happens is because God spoke to him and God began to use him in a way to do things that many thought were impossible for his life and for his people. And I believe that God is wanting uh, to do two things this morning. Number one, he is wanting to restore and rebuild the broken parts in me and the broken parts in you. He's also wanting to use us as the church of Jesus Christ to be rebuild and restore the glory of God in the nation and this community that we live in today. You say, Pastor, that's impossible. It is impossible if you measure us by the scope of our influence, by the scope of our economic possibility. If you measure us in human terms, you're absolutely right. There is nothing that the church can do. But friends, the Word tells me that it's not by might and it's not by power, but by His Spirit anything is possible when the church is aligned with Him. So it's time we get our eyes off of what we think is humanly possible and say, God, what is possible when our lives are aligned with You? So what could happen if we allow God to rebuild and restore things in us first? Nehemiah chapter 1 For time's sake, I'm not going to uh, read the whole account for you. But Nehemiah had the job, if you want to 
there's the words are on the screen behind me, so you can just kind of follow along as I tell his, his account, his story. Nehemiah had a pretty cushy job. He was a he was someone who his family had been taken captive from Jerusalem to a foreign uh, foreign place, foreign nation. Now he is a he's a servant in the king's palace, but he's he's a pretty cushy servant, right? His job is is to be the cupbearer, which basically means he is a part, he's a member of the secret service of the king. His job was to taste things before the king tasted them to make sure that whatever he tasted would not kill the king. And so if you're going to have that job, then that means you're very well trusted by the king. The king thinks you're not going to pretend like you tasted it and didn't and slip him something poisonous to drink, right? So it's a very high position, very trusted position. That's Nehemiah's job. Even though he's a foreigner in this land, God has positioned him to be within earshot of the king. And one day, someone from Jerusalem comes to visit Nehemiah, and Nehemiah asks the question, how are things back home? See, when Jerusalem was captured, it's not that they sent people to overrun Jerusalem and rule. What they did was they basically kidnapped or took captive everyone that was there, and so Jerusalem became a ghost town. And decades after the city had been taken, the captives began to let some of those in captivity have the option to go home, but very few did. They had become comfortable in their foreign land. And so they tell Nehemiah, well, the walls are torn down and the people are in disarray and it's not good. And so in verse number, I believe it's verse number four, Nehemiah says, when I heard these things, he began to pray. He began to pray that God would use him to make a difference in his world. If you know the story, eventually Nehemiah, after months of prayer, he finally went to the king and asked the king permission to go back home and make a difference. In verse number 11, Nehemiah prays, the Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Nehemiah goes to the king and asks permission to go back home and rebuild and restore what was stolen. Father, I love you and I thank you for every person in this room today and I pray the next few minutes of time as we so we look at your word, that you'll let your word speak to us. And that, Father, this morning, there's someone in this room today that needs you to rebuild and restore part of their life. I pray they will experience your rebuilding and your restoring today. I also pray that, like Nehemiah, you would summon our heart to be a part of what you want to be rebuilt and what to be restored in our community, in our nation, in our world today. Use us in that fashion today. Anoint me above my own ability to speak the words of God, the words of God alone. Anoint our ears, our hearts, and our minds to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us, and we'll give you thanks for it. Everybody in the room said amen. So, Nehemiah gets permission from the king to go back and to rebuild the wall, to rebuild 
what is wrong. Now, uh, just most of you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. In, in these days, if the walls around your city were torn down, if the gates to that city were missing, then that wasn't just an eyesore. It made you a victim to everyone around you. That meant that enemies, raiding armies, whoever wanted to, could come into your town at any time of day or night and steal from you and rob from you, and you were basically living as a continual victim or a continual survival. survivor. Matter of fact, Nehemiah, when he asked the report from his brother, he, his brother actually uses the word. He says, here's how the survivors are doing. Can I tell you this morning, God never intended you to live your life as just a survivor. If I were to ask you this morning, hey, how's your week? And you were to tell me, well, you know, hey, I'm surviving. That's not exactly saying things are going great, right? That, if you just say, well, I'm just surviving, that's not the best testimony of what's going on in your life. But that's what's going on in Jerusalem. They're just surviving. They're just going from meal to meal. They're just going from one encounter of being robbed to the next encounter of being robbed. And I begin to pray and ask the Lord, God, would you show me a picture of what these people are really going through? And here's kind of what the Lord whispered to my heart. He said, Greg, the people in this day were basically just surviving on what the enemy had left over. And friend, I believe there's too many of us in the church of Jesus today that you're just surviving on what the enemy left for you. When you were not chosen to live a life based on what the enemy left you, you're based to live a life on the abundance of what God has for you. So it's time to start surviving and start living for God today. we got to move from a mindset of just getting by to grabbing hold of everything that God has for you. God wants to rebuild and restore what's been stolen from you and use you to rebuild and restore what God has for others. I'm getting a little bit excited this morning. I'll try to tone it down for you. Well, Pastor, how can God rebuild and restore in me? How can God use me to rebuild and restore in others? A few things that Nehemiah shows us. The first thing I want to point out to you this morning is that you must discover your holy ought. Now, how many of you ever heard that term before? A holy ought. I talked about that on Wednesday night. I talked to, to our staff about it several, several months ago. Some people, I hear a lot of people talk about purpose, passion. And for whatever reason, I've just always used this word, a holy ought. Some of you in this room, you have a holy ought and you don't even know it. Have you ever had this thought, that ought not be that way? Or someone ought to do something. Maybe you see a piece of paper on the ground and you think, man, someone ought to pick that up. Sometimes God lets us see things that are wrong. And he lets us have a moment in our spirit where we think someone ought to do something. Not understanding that ought that we see is actually God's voice saying, no, no, I'm not showing you that so you can tell someone else to do it. I'm showing you that so that you can be a part of bringing my glory, my plan, and my power to that situation. See, David had a holy ought. You know what David's holy ought was? He walked up on the battleground one day and he heard Goliath, that giant, defiling the armies of God. And he thought, that guy ought not do that. He ought not be cursing the people of God. 
He had a holy ought to do something. He didn't show up looking for a fight that day. He showed up to deliver pizza. But in the middle of that transaction, there was a holy ought. I know that's a different version of what you read, but, but he, that's what he's doing that day. He, he, but God summoned him in that moment. The disciples had a holy ought one day that Jesus was preaching. And they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, these people are hungry. Somebody ought to feed them. And then Jesus turned around and he said, yeah, you're right. You ought to feed them. Isn't that what he said? You give them something to eat. Peter received a vision from God and went to Cornelius' house. And Jesus told him in a vision that, you know what? People that don't look like you or talk like you, they ought to receive the gospel as well. Changed his life. Men and women throughout history who have changed the course of history are simply people that, in my words, had a holy ought. They just saw something that ought not be that way or something that ought to be that way. And they began to ask God, Lord, how can I be a part of bringing to pass what you want brought to pass in this life? Well, Pastor, how does that look in my life? Well, it might be like this. You know, somebody ought to feed those kids. As a church this year, we're talking about rescuing men and women in sex trafficking. Project Rescue is one of our main uh, mission focuses this year because we believe that someone ought to make a difference in those who are being sold into slavery and sex trafficking. Someone, it might look this way to you, you walk into the grocery store this week and you see someone that for whatever reason that you cannot explain, you can just tell that someone ought to speak to them. Someone ought to love them. Someone ought to encourage them. Friends, can I tell you, that could very well be the Holy Spirit telling you that you ought to make a difference. And if you'll be bold enough to step out of your comfort zone and speak to them and love them or do whatever it is that someone ought to do for them, you will show, you will see God show up in ways that you never expected or imagined. I've had God do that to me. Someone ought to love that person. Someone ought to lead that group. Someone ought to finance that need. Someone ought to help that person. Someone ought to pray for that sick person. Someone should, ought to speak to that person. Some of you, I wish you would just look at yourselves and this morning realize that, you know what, I ought not live this way. God's got better for me. See, God allows us to see what we never saw so that we can participate in a new level New levels of his activity. How many would like to be involved in a new level of God's activity in your life? Amen? That was a freebie, though, the way we should have all lifted our hands. But I'm going to give you another chance this morning. Right? We're the God, we serve the God of second chances. How many would like to see more of God's activity in your life, right? I want it so bad, I'll even lift my hand. Awesome, great. Do you know the way God brings us into more activity? is he allows us to see things we've seen before, but now we see it through his eyes. I think it's naive to believe that when Nehemiah heard the news that the walls of Jerusalem were, were, were broken down, I don't think Nehemiah thought, wow, I've never heard that before. I mean, they had been broken down somewhere between 75 and 150 years. So this is not a new problem. But this time, when Nehemiah hears the words, it's not, it's not that he's reading the newspaper. He has this holy ought 
man, someone ought to do something. And he began to pray, and God began to speak to him and said, yeah, someone ought to do something, and you are that person who ought to do something. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we are God's handiwork. You're not a spare part this morning. You're not here accidentally. You're not just some person wandering aimlessly. You are God's handiwork. i got to say it again. You are God's handiwork. He created you in the womb for a purpose. We're created by God for a purpose and on purpose. Ephesians chapter 2 says. Why, why are we His handiwork? Created in Christ Jesus to do Good works which God prepared before us. You know what happened to Nehemiah when his brother told him about the condition? Why did he get this holy ought about his life? Because all of a sudden he got into the presence of what he was created for. He got into the presence of who he was created by for what he was created for. And I'm praying this year, God, would you move all of us from the realm of knowing that we we are created, but God, let us hear that holy ought and let us respond to it because our creator also created us a purpose. Nehemiah got into that purpose. Something came alive. That holy ought came alive. And I'm praying it happens to us. See, a holy ought is about God's glory, not our glory. One thing that is just pronounced about the story of King David that's also pronounced about the story of Nehemiah, neither of these guys were glory seekers. They weren't doing this so they could have their page and a news their picture on the news feed or on a page of a magazine they were doing this because it was all about God's glory it's about his fame I know sometimes glory kind of we get confused they wanted to make sure that let's let's say it this way that the reputation of Jesus was positive or the reputation of God was positive it was attractive they were passionate about it So a holy ought is not about our glory, it's about God's glory. Because you can can see things that ought to be different that may not be a holy ought. It might be your ought. Like, I ought to have a 2022 new four-wheel drive pickup. I ought to. But that's not a holy ought, that's a Greg ought. Right? You picking that up? Do I need to back up and preach all this again, or you got me? There's so I'm not talking about just an ought. You're going to see all, the, all kinds of things that are just normal oughts. I'm talking about holy oughts. A holy ought is something that God wants you to do, so you can't just pass it on to someone else. Nehemiah heard the walls were down, that the gates were open. And I just, I just think we need to pray right now. Matter of fact, I'm going to just push pause for a moment. And ask you to pray with me. This prayer. And you can make it in your own words, but pray this prayer. God, show me where walls are broken and doors are open to the enemy. In my life and in the world around me. Just take that, just take that prayer right now and just make that your own. And then let the Lord speak to you how you can make a difference in your life in the lives of others because he wants to use you to make a difference in the lives of others and he wants to be the difference in your life. So God, show us that. Number two this morning, Nehemiah realized, he recognized the source of destruction. 
Nehemiah begins to pray in verse number 6. And he doesn't pray. Now, God, you see how evil these invading armies are. God, you see their leaders outside. You see how these people from the outside have just attacked us. They've taken advantage of us. They've been so mean to us. They don't love you. And they've been, God, this is all their fault. No, no, no. Nehemiah recognizes why they're in the mess that they're in. It's because they have sinned against God. Nehemiah doesn't blame the invaders around them. He takes, he takes full responsibility for the sin that had been prevalent in his nation. Proverbs chapter 13, I'm sorry, 14 says that righteousness exalts a nation, but what a sin is a reproach to every people. Nehemiah realizes that, that, they're, that they've been destroyed not from the outside in, but from the inside out. That they have been, they've allowed things to go on that led them exactly to where they are today. How many are loving this 104 degree weather? Man, I have heard my dad, who's now in heaven, but I've heard him a lot the last two weeks. But he's coming out of my mouth. As I tell my kids, shut the door! You're letting out that bought air! I remember him yelling that at me as a kid. I've, I've just, I'm just saying I've become really picky about what about how wide my door is open, how long my door is open, and what comes in when my door is open. I've just, I've just, this weather is kind of, I've just kind of become a little bit, whatever word you want to use there. None of those words out of my mind were filtered enough for church, but, but whatever. You know, I've just, Nehemiah looks at the destroyed wall, he looks at the crushed gates, and he realized it's because they had traded a God environment for the world's environment. And he says, we've got to get these things, we've got to get these doors closed, not just the physical gates closed. We've got to close the door to the advances of the enemy. We've got to recognize, Nehemiah recognizes the destruction of sin. And I know sin's not a word we like to talk about, but let me just tell you, sin is real. It's just as real as the skin on your finger this morning. And it destroys people. And Nehemiah doesn't just respond to the holy ought of God. He understands what has caused the problem that he's called to confront. And the problem is, is sin. So he takes it, he owns it. He begins to deal with it in prayer. And the third thing, he refuses to shift the blame. He begins to pray. He said, God, in verse number 6, he says, God, I confess my sins, the sins of the Israelites, the sins of myself, the sins of my father's family. He begins to take responsibility for sins that were sinned before he was even born. He just takes responsibility for all of it. He's not looking for an easy way out. He's looking for God's blessing. And friends, sometimes we have to just say, Lord, I'm going to step in and take responsibility. Lord, this might be a mess I didn't create, but God, I'm going to be a part of the solution. Nehemiah became an intercessor for his people. He began to stand in the gap. And part of the ways that God will use you and I is when we begin to help people and pray for people and lift people out of places that perhaps the problem isn't ours, but we decide, you know what, God, you can use me to be a lifter of their head. 
Then fourth, Megan, if you want to come. Fourth this morning. Fourth way that we can get on the road to restoration is we claim and celebrate the presence, I'm sorry, the promises of God. I want to ask you to look at verse number 18. Number eight is, is still Nehemiah praying. And this is a, I know sometimes I hear people, and I get it, I get it completely. They say, Pastor, I just don't know how to pray about certain things. Well, Nehemiah gives us a great prayer pattern. His prayer starts with this word, remember. Remember what? He simply says, God, remember what you said. Well, what did God say? God said, well, if you are sinful, then, then every time you sin, you're inviting the enemy to come in and destroy your life. And you do that long enough, it's going to cost you everything you have. That's what God said. But God also said, and Nehemiah knew this, he said, remember that if you will, though you're scattered among the nations, if you'll return to me and obey my commands, that even if your people are exiled to the farthest horizon, I will gather them there and bring them to the place I've chosen for them as a dwelling of my names. You know, one of the, if you're struggling with prayer, I got a prayer guide for you this morning. It's called the Word of God. It's full of scriptures. It's full of promises. Some of the most powerful prayers you can pray is just find a prayer in the Word of God and say, Lord, this promise is for me. And begin to pray the prayer of promises to God. Lord, you said you would never leave me or forsake me. So God, I just pray that I will sense your presence today. Lord, you said you came to be Emmanuel, God with us. So God, just let me sense your presence today. Lord, you said that you would forgive me. So God, I just claim forgiveness today. God, you said you would heal my heart, that you would mend the brokenhearted. And I'm brokenhearted today. So God, remember what you said. So, some of the most powerful prayers are what I call remembrance prayers. It's what Nehemiah prayed. He just remembered what God already said. You know why I love remembrance prayers? It's because you're not trying to talk God into doing something he doesn't want to do. You're just reminding God, hey, Lord, you said you want this, and I want it too. I'm praying God help us start praying, remembering prayers, because here's the thing. Those walls have been broken down for decades. Ezra had showed up a few years before, and Ezra showed up and he led people inside these walls, inside these broken down walls were a broken down temple. And Ezra had led them to rebuild the temple. They'd done that, but once the temple got rebuilt, they quit. They settled. Hmm. God, don't let us settle, right? God did great things. Maybe God's done great things for you. Don't settle. But instead, claim the promises of God. See, here's what Nehemiah knew that I need you to understand this morning. That I have to remember all the time is this. God's promises do not have expiration dates. For decades, the walls had been falling down. For decades, God's people had been exploited and taken advantage of. For decades, God's people had just been surviving on what the enemy left 
over. But Nehemiah steps in. I don't know why the rest of the community had gotten so used to broken down walls, but that's what happens. If your life is broken long enough, the enemy will convince you that how things are is how they always will be. But no, Nehemiah says, no, no, no. We are people with great problems, but we are also people with greater promises. And what what the Word of God says, it can happen. The Word of God is not expired. And the Word of God has not expired for you. It's not expired for you. It's not like the milky refrigerator. Oh, i got to throw that out because it wouldn't. No, no, no. The promises of God, they're eternal. Well, pastor, I've been this way for decades. Well, do you really want to be that way for another decade? Because God's word, they don't expire. They're true. And Nehemiah showed up and he prayed what everyone else has stopped praying. God, use us. God, supply us. God, forgive us. God, redeem us. He began to, he said, God, remember what you said. And God fulfilled his word. Psalms 81, the word says to his people, God says to his people, open your your mouth wide and I will fill it. God did not open his storehouse until someone opened their mouth and said, God, remember and God use me. I have a holy ought. So God, remember me and use me and do for me what you said you would do and use me how you said you would use me. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. I got two, two points of prayer that I want to pray this morning. First prayer point is this. You say, Pastor, I need God to, be, to rebuild and restore the broken places in my life. Whether you've been, you say, Pastor, I've been broken for weeks, I've been broken for months, or I've been broken in this area of my life for years. Can I tell you, God can rebuild and he can restore. His promise has no ex- expiration date. He can move in your life today. You say, Pastor, I need God to do that. I need some rebuilding and some restoring to take place in my life today. Would you just lift a hand there quick? That's me, Pastor. Pray for me. Amen. 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 Here's the good news. Amen. It's not just me that sees that. God sees that. God sees you inviting him to remember and to rebuild and restore. And I'm just going to pray in just a moment that God will rebuild and God will restore the broken places in your life. But here's the second prayer I want us to pray. And, and for this one, I want you to look at me. I believe that God has a holy ought for you. What do you mean by that? I believe that in your Monday through Friday and Saturday too, that God is going to put people in front of you, situations in front of you, opportunities in front of you, messes in front of you, where something in your spirit says something ought to be done about that. And it's not out of judgment. It's not out of anything except for the Spirit of God is quickening you. Can I tell you this morning, don't be don't walk away from those thinking, yes, yeah, someone ought to do something. Let God use you. 
to be the Nehemiah, to be the rebuilder and to be the restorer of situations, circumstances, and people. Some of you, I'm not going to call you by name, but some of you, I look around you and I can just see that God has positioned you to be people in your job and in your relationships. God has positioned you to be that Nehemiah. Nehemiah, just he was a cupbearer. He was he had a cushy job. He had no, the fact that the walls were torn down in Jerusalem didn't really bother him personally. But it bothered him personally, right? It bothered him. He had a holy ought. And I'm just praying, God, would you give all of us a holy ought? Don't just rebuild and restore us, but also use us to build and restore others. And this morning, if you're willing to pray with me, God, use me to rebuild and restore others. I'll be a Nehemiah. I give you permission, God, awaken that holy ought in me. If you, if you really mean that today, would you join me all across this room by standing today? Let me say, God, use us. Use me. Let me be that, per- Let me be that rebuilder. Let me be that restorer. Let your spirit flow through me. If there's something broken in me, God, begin the healing work. But in the meantime, let me be a rebuilder and a restorer myself. Would you just begin to pray that over your life? Begin to welcome the activity of the Lord. Begin to welcome the Spirit of God to lead you and guide you, direct you. Begin to commit yourself to responding when you see those opportunities. Ephesians chapter 2 says you are God's creation. You are You are formed on purpose, with a purpose. So God, awaken us to that purpose. Give us that holy ought. And God, I pray for those who lifted their hands saying, hey, there's this this broken stuff in me. There's this broken wall. There's an open door that's been allowing destruction in my life. God, I pray this morning as they lifted their hands that God, right now, you just show them how to lay brick upon brick. As you begin to teach them word by word, step by step, how to rebuild their lives today. As you come alongside them, because we know it's not in their might only, it's not in their strength only, but God, you're going to guide them step by step how to put their life back together and where they have been so easily defeated before. God, they're going to discover new strength because the walls of God are up in their life. The strength of God has been fortified in their life once again. I pray you'll do that in every person's life to lift their hand this morning. And we just say, enemy, no more. Enemy, no more. We've been, li- we've been living on leftovers too long. God, we're going to live on the abundance of the God who loves us. We're going to do that. Father, I pray that over every person who lifted their hands. And God, I also pray for all the rest of us. Use us this week. Use us this week. Use us this week. God, would you say that to the Lord? God, use me this week. God, awaken a holy ought in me. God, let me see people as you see them. Let me see messes as you see them. God, let me not be so quick to, to judge or to just join in people's attacks, God, help me be part of the solution for kingdom priorities. And we'll give you thanks for it. We'll give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you give the Lord a hand clap for his word today? How will, how will the city of Cabot be changed? How will your family be, say, uh, be changed? I believe it's when we receive the holy ought of God. And we respond on it. Amen. Next week, we're going to be looking at chapter 2 of Nehemiah.
We're going to be talking about how to take action with what God's put in your heart today. Come back and join us next weekend. If you're a first-time guest, I'll be on the front porch. I'd love to greet you and meet you and put a gift in your hands. God bless you. We love you. Thanks for being part of the assembly. Have a wonderful holiday weekend. God bless you. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.